You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right, if you have your Bibles uh, this morning, please turn to the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy, we're going to be mostly in chapter number 6, but I will uh, start with the verse out of Deuteronomy chapter number 29. And I want to talk about hope for the home. You know, hope for the home is really hope for our country. There's a lot of thoughts on that in this day and age. You know, where are we going? And I'm glad the Lord could truly come at any moment. And so if you don't know the Lord, please be prepared. If you do know the Lord, be prepared. Uh, But if you don't know the Lord, I invite you to come to Christ today before it's everlasting too late. Uh, But in the meantime, there is hope for our country. And I believe that hope is found in the home. And we'll say more about that in just a moment. But I do want to say Happy Father's Day to all the dads who are here. And and I am so thankful for the privilege that I have of being a dad. This is my uh, 22nd Father's Day. My 22nd father, I mean, as a dad, I'm more than 22 years old. I know that shocks you, but my 22nd uh, Father's Day being a dad. Uh, And yes, I'm including when she was in the womb, amen, because she was alive. But anyway. Uh, so so I, I'm telling you, there is nothing. I, I love being a dad. I love being a husband. I'm just so thankful for my wife. I'm so thankful for my children. Uh, and, and it's, I thank God for God, godly influences on my life as a young man that helped me see the value of home and family and of being a family man. Uh, and I love it. I love being a family man. I love being a dad. Uh, I, I'm not the dad that I want to be, believe me. Uh, but I'm so thankful that I've just got the greatest kids and the greatest wife. So I'm thankful for that. Uh, you know, I take it very serious. And I want to say just a couple things just uh, to, to begin with this morning. Uh, number one, think about the seriousness of being a dad. Uh, I often think about, you know, I, I mention this study a lot because I, as a dad, it impacts me. Uh, this may not be true for everyone, but they did a they did a survey, and it was a scientific survey of uh, of people, and they just simply asked them, "What is your view of God? What is your view of God? How do you view God? What's your perspective?" And people would have all kinds of different descriptions of who God is, and some would say, "Oh, I I feel like God is a loving God. I think He's a caring God. He's a present God." Others may seem say, "You know what? I feel like God." If he exists, he's just out there somewhere, but I'm not sure that we can know him. I'm not sure that he cares. Some would say, well, I believe that God is a very uh, vengeful and a vindictive uh, God. But then on the same survey, they'd say, okay, now describe your father. And almost without fail, if they had a father that was loving, caring, and kind, that's the same way they described God. If they had a vindictive uh, father, that's the way they described God. If they had an absent father, that's the way they described God. Isn't it interesting that when God, the, the relationship that God wants, the terms of the relationship that God wants us to think of Him on is our heavenly Father. Our heavenly Father. So dads, we got a big responsibility, don't we? So I want to challenge dads today, but in challenging dads, I also want to be uh, mindful of something else. Uh, There are dads, uh, myself included to some extent, I can't go back. Today, we are in this date, and I cannot go back to do anything different with my kids. As much as I would like to, I cannot do that. As much as you'd like to, you cannot do that. 
So with whatever challenges I may try to uh, encourage and exhort you with today, uh, you mark this down. Uh, God works in the present and God works in the future. Uh, the devil is the one that tries to drum up the past. So please do not allow this Father's Day to be a Father's Day, dads, that you sit around and think about your failures as a dad or if your, your kids are grown and gone. I'm going to be talking a lot about uh, our treatment of kids within the home today. Don't sit around and think, man, maybe if I'd have done that. You know what? If, if you didn't do it, you didn't do it. And, but, but what you can do is there's, there's ways to move forward, okay? But do not allow yourself. Do not beat yourself up today, uh, fathers. I challenge you. Uh, look at not because what it's not doing any good look about what you can do today look about what you can do in the future to make a difference and and right any wrongs but I'm not trying to beat any parent down today or any dad down today just to, to emphasize that uh, you know I heard this there was one little boy who was asked to explain about Father's Day and here's the way the little boy explained Father's Day so well it's just like Mother's Day only you don't have to spend as much on the present <laughs> now I, I know for uh, for many you know it's funny how time changes and but I remember years ago of course now we don't think as much about collect calls and calling long distance because we've our cell phone plans allow for all of that stuff but back in the olden day kids if you was calling long distance somebody had to pay for those charges and so uh, you could pay for those charges by dialing a certain number as you dialed and you would those charges would show up on your phone bill but if you uh, didn't you'd call collect and basically you would call and the operator would say you've got a collect call from Jesse uh, then uh, do you choose to accept then that person would have to accept to pay for the long distance charges. Well, you, when that was a thing years ago, literally this was a thing, that on Mother's Day, that was the day that the most uh, people called long distance to their parents and they paid for the charges. They paid to call for their mom. But seriously, the day that most collect calls were made were on Father's Day. <laughs> And you know, it's just funny. It's just different, isn't it? And it's a different relationship. And I know today people are trying to make, make it as to where, well, I was going to say to where there's no gender, but I guess they're trying to make it to where there's uh, a, a dozen or, or I'll know a lot more than that. But, uh, but listen, there is a difference between men and women. There are a difference between moms and dads. Uh, one is not greater than the other. We both together, we play different roles that God has placed us in, and that's what makes the world what it is. Uh, I'll just give this too before we get in Deut uh, Deuteronomy. Uh, James Dobson just had these three little tips that I thought were good, were thoughts that he had that I thought were pretty good. He said that the earliest years for children are normally time with mom. But years bring change, and the father often becomes the example in attitude and action that a child follows. God, church, and spiritual things especially. Fa fathers are followed. And this is not something that we can just turn over for a mother, dads, or to someone else to handle. We've got to realize that kids are following after our examples of attitude and godliness and so forth. So dare to be a dad. I think for a lot of dads, it, it, it is. It's scary being a dad. Uh, but we've got to be willing to take on that responsibility. The other thing he says is that he suggests that the best thing that a father can do for his children, and you've probably heard this before, is to love their mother. 
love their mother unconditionally. Show love and affection toward her. Uh, don't, uh, you know, j just show love. And then thirdly, a Christian father will arrange to spend time with his children. And I've heard this said before, and I believe that it is true, uh, that oftentimes the way kids spell love is T-I-M-E. T-I-M-E time. Uh, and it's not necessarily the gifts, it's the time that we spend. And again, I get convicted preaching this stuff, man, because I think about the time that I could and should spend with my wonderful children. But today, as we look into the book of Deuteronomy, I want to encourage you today, because as I stand before you today, I'm standing before you with hope in the midst of whatever we may be facing in this world. Come what may in this world, the good news is, is there is hope for our country. There is hope because there's hope in our homes. And I'm telling you, what really, you know, we, we could complain about our country all we want to, but I believe that the complaints have to start with our homes and our churches. That's where the main issues are. Um, We'll see more about that, but the, the, the thing I want to say is there's hope today. Why? And you say, and, and how many of you look around today and say, I want to make a difference. I would like to make an impact of some kind of change in this world. Well, I would submit for many of us, we have the opportunity to do that in our homes or with someone else. And I believe that's the way it happens. It happens on an individual level. If we have enough individuals impacting enough individuals, we can see great good done for the glory and honor of God. And we see this illustrated, I believe, in the book of Deuteronomy. I want to begin by reading chapter 5, verse 29, and then we'll get into chapter number 6. Deuteronomy chapter number 6 specifically is a very well-known passage to uh, Jewish people, uh, Jewish families, Jewish children, Jewish fathers know these verses very, very well. But in Deuteronomy 5 verse 29, the Bible says, Oh, that there were such an heart in them. Now, I just got to pause right there. This is God speaking through the prophet, and he's saying, Oh, when you see that, oh, it's a crying out. There's a depth crying out from the heart of God. Oh, that there was such an heart in them that they would fear me. And understand this, that fear has to do with reverence, not a cowering fear. But that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. God wants it to be well with you. I don't care who you are today. God wants it to be well with you. God wants it to, to be well with your family. And from the heart of God, he cries out today, Oh, that this heart were in them. I'm telling you, God has your best interest at heart. And when God, the, the, and he says, keeping my commandments, doing that which God says, doing that which God says to do, not doing the things that God prohibits. And he says, that is the path of blessing. That is the way that it might be well with you and with your children. I don't know about you, but I'm glad that I serve a God today that loves me that much, that he cares about me, he wants it to be well with me, and he wants it to be well with my family. And I, when I talk about well, it may not always be physical health. It may not always be financially well, but I'm telling you, as long as it's spiritually well with my soul, hallelujah. As long as I know my kids are saved and serving the Lord, as long as I know that we have that, man, I'm telling you, that makes all the difference. 
But notice what the Bible says here in Deuteronomy chapter number 6, verse 1. Now, these are the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord God commandeth to teach you that you might do them in the land whether you go to possess it. See, God had a better place for the children of Israel called the, Can the land of Canaan. And God has a better place for you and for me. He has an abundant life for you and for me. But there's a path that we must trod that will lead there. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee this day, thou and thy son and thy son's son all the days of thy life, and that thy days may be prolonged. You know, I like that. It talks about your sons. It talks about your son's sons. Uh, I'm thankful for the children that God has given me. And I'm thankful for the heart that they have for God. And the two that I have now that are 20 and above, I'm glad that they have a heart for God and serve God and are faithful here at the house of God. And somebody says, oh man, you've been successful. But I believe, uh, and, and I'll tell you one thing, I give God the glory for everything he's done in their hearts and lives because you're looking at a very imperfect dad uh, married to a near perfect wife, but a very imperfect dad she says amen I finally got that out of her she's shaking her head yeah instead of no this time but anyway uh, so uh, so listen I mean very imperfect but I thank God for that but but you know how I will measure success I'll measure success uh, I believe in the years to come if God blesses us with grandchildren when those grandchildren are walking in the ways of God. Amen? And don't, don't get me wrong, I'm content and thankful for what God has done, but will that come through them to the next generation? Amen? That's at least my goal. Hope you understand what I'm saying. The good news is there's hope for our sons. There's hope for our sons' sons and our daughters and our daughters' daughters. See, we're living in a day, man, if you look today, Michael mentioned this morning a young person trying to kill themselves. There's an epidemic in our country of people attempting and committing suicide. Young people, I mean, it's at an all-time high. I mean, I remember just hearing not too long ago about a kid just uh, up the road in another town, 10 years old. 10 years old. And that's one of the prime ages for young people between the ages of 10 and 14, I believe. You wouldn't believe the numbers. And I'm telling you, it's a, it's a, it's a sad time. We're living in a day to where there's liberalism in the church to where God's Word is not being taught as the divine Word of God and that God as the sovereign, omnipotent, omniscient, uh, um, uh, not present God I'm telling you, they're, 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 our culture and our children are being inundated with secularism and humanism in the schools. People say, oh, it's too bad that, it's, uh, not, that, that you're not permitted to teach religion in school. Religion is taught in school. Our schools are religious. Our schools are religious, and the religion is secularism. Humanism is a recognized religion. Who is the God of this humanism? Well, ultimately, it's the God that was suggested by Satan in the Garden of Eden when he says, Ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil, calling the shots, de determining what's right and wrong. What's right and wrong all depends on what you say is right and wrong. 
But I'm telling you, the sad thing is, one of the things that our, our children are being taught as well in this day and age, I say our children, but now these children are getting to be young adults, and if, if they were just taught strictly in the world, they've been taught that they were an accident. They were one divine, uh, not divine, one, one cosmic accident, one explosion that just so happened. They have no soul. There is no God. There is no purpose. There is no creator. You're just an accident. You're, there, there's no consequence. We're just like the animals. We live. There's no real point. There's no real purpose. And ultimately we die and then it's all over. And that's the end of it. See, our kids are being taught a fatalistic view. And we wonder why they're so fatalistic. We wonder why they don't see a value and a purpose in life. They're not being taught that there's a purpose in life. They're not being taught that they've been fearfully and wonderfully made by the Creator. And even if they are being taught that, understand this, they are also being taught the other side. Whether or not they're in a school that emphasizes it or whether or not it's through the music and the media and movies and different things that they see, these things are emphasized repeatedly. Secularism and humanism in the school. Consider this. Consider that since prayer and the Bible were removed from the schools, how the issues have increased in severity. You know, you go back to years ago when prayer was in school. What were teachers' complaints back then? It was things like not throwing their paper in the wastebasket, not having their homework done, sk skipping out on class, uh, things of this nature. You go to today and you look at the complaints of violence and threats and drugs uh, that are in the school. It's commonplace. It's sad. And even in the small towns, as many of you know, it's amazing the things that are in our school. We, we like to think of Elk Point, Akron, and uh, you know some of these other places and towns of being like a little Mayberry. And I'm glad in a lot of ways they are. But I'm telling you, be not deceived. There are drugs. There's uh, pagan activity. There's a lot going on in our towns. There's predators that we've got to be careful for. We've got to be on the lookout. Uh, so anyway, uh, but the, the, the question you said, I thought you said there's hope. I'm telling you it's bad, but I'm telling you there's hope. Amen? So how are kids going to survive all this? All right? Before you get too pessimistic about it. What the kids are saying in society, I mean, you think about what they're being influenced by. I mentioned on Wednesday night, I was talking about the mind. Folks, you need to be aware. Parents, you need to be aware. Grandparents, you need to be aware. Children, you need to be aware and have your antenna up for all the paganism that, and, and, and out-and-out Satanism that has infiltrated our culture. That's in the music that many, that some of the most popular music today are people that are out and out, uh, out and out pagans and Satanists. You've got to be aware of that. We've got to be aware of the messages that are coming across in music, in, uh, in songs, in books, in whatever the case may be. We've got to be aware. Uh, as a young person, you need to be aware. Uh, as an adult, we need to be aware. There, I'm telling you, there's an all-out assault. Satan's, Satan's aim, the world, the flesh, and the devil, their aim is right on our young people. I'm telling you, that goes back to, I mean, it goes back all the way to Satan, but, you know, we talk about uh, Mao. You know, when you look at the, 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 the communist revolution that took place there, and, and they started, they, they try to get to the young people. The same thing in the Soviet Union. They try to get to the kids. Uh, why? Because if you can shape those kids, it's going to make a difference. We think about uh, how, how much alcohol and drugs are aimed toward our children. The advertising. Did you know, and th th these statistics are old, so it's probably a lot worse now, but 
that one in ten drinks that are served in television and movies, one, I'm sorry, uh, no, it's more than that. I think it's the other way around. But the drinks that most of the drinks that are served on television are either beer or some sort of alcohol. On shows, anytime somebody's stressed, what do they do? I'm tense. I need to drink before I go to bed. I need to drink. I mean, what do real men do in these movies? Take my whiskey down and all this stuff. And, and they, they try to show this tough side. They try to show maybe this cool side, these buff and fit kids out on the beach. Man, something that we would all aspire to. That's the advertising. And see, what they try to show, I heard somebody say this, that one of the beers used to advertise this is the best uh, that it gets or something to that extent. Or it doesn't get any better than this. And the truth is, it may not even get that good. But I'll tell you one thing, for them, it's not going to get any better than that. Because you look at the statistics, and I'm telling you, uh, th th that, that road, and I, I can't, again, the numbers are astonishing. Those who drink alcohol, I think it's 1 in 15, this is an old number of people that, can, that drink beer for the first time will become an alcoholic. 1 in 15. He said, that's not too bad. But regardless of the fact, I'm telling you, it's a scourge on our society, and it's aimed at them. Again, this is an old number. 88% of all sexual encounters that are shown on TV and movies, 88% are between two people outside of the bonds of holy matrimony. It's just casual. It's just hooking up. It's just, it, it, this is all it is. And, uh, but I'm telling you, they're being, they're being infiltrated by all these anti-biblical, and I'm telling you, therefore harmful ideas. And see, the lie of the devil, young people, is this. Just the same thing he said to Eve. He doesn't change very much. He says, God doth know that in the day you eat, in the day you eat thereof, you shall become as gods, knowing good and evil. He said, God's trying to keep something from you. See, the devil says, God's trying to keep something from you by telling you you should maintain your purity and your virginity until you're married. If you've blown that, he says, the devil tries to tell you, it's okay, just go all out, rather than saying, you know what, from this point on, with the help and grace of God, I will be celibate until the marriage altar. But he tries to tell you we're trying to keep, the world says, man, they're trying to keep you from a good time. Folks, you see what that good time ends up being a lot of times. You see what that good time ends up being when you're broken and when you are, uh, when you are emotionally shot, when you're left behind, when you're in this terrible situation. You see what it's like then, the emotional toll that it takes, and, and there's so much. But okay, quickly, I want to give you these verses. The good news is there's hope. And what I want to say to young people is that we're not trying to keep you from something. Well, we are, all right? I think, I think, I think about years ago, and I told you, I'm not the perfect parent. I love my kids. I want to be a great dad. Uh, and so I try to be, but I'm nowhere near the dad I want to be, and I, and I regret it a lot. But I remember years ago that we were, I was talking to a, a lady at the hospital where I was a chaplain in Pierre, and, and we were just talking about kids and raising kids, and she was asking about what the kids did. And I, we were just, she found out some of the things that our kids weren't allowed to do or a couple of things our kids didn't do or places they didn't go. And uh, she said, well, aren't you worried they're going to miss out on some things? And you know what my answer to that was? That's why I do it. 
I'm wanting them to miss out on some things. Yeah, I'd like to see them miss out on jail, Dan. I would. I'd like to see them miss out on their being, uh, you know, abused by some guy out there that's telling them everything they want to hear just to, just to get somewhere with them. I'd like to see them miss that. Fine with me. Amen. Amen. I, yes. No, I'm not scared they're going to miss something. That's why I'm doing it. You say, what if they miss some good things along the way? Well, there, you know, I, I may regret some of those, but I'll not regret the things that they missed that they should have missed. Amen? Uh, but anyway, uh, so, so look quickly here. The promise that God gives us. Look at, we read verses 1 and 2 already. He says in verse 2, That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's sons, all the day of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. There's a promise. He's given us a future. God's promise, a future and hope for the family, and it starts with the parents. Plato, which I don't agree with on many things, but Plato did say this. He said, the life of a nation is the life of a family written with large print. I'll say that again. The life of a nation is the life of a family written with large print. In other words, what do you see in our nation today? That's the family in large print. There's a promise. What, so there's a future that he gives. There's a promise, a, fu a future. There's a foundation. Notice what the Bible says in verse number 3. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily. Again, God wants to bless you. I can't emphasize that enough. God wants you to increase mightily. He wants to bless you in your life. As the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land of, that floweth with milk and honey. And he goes on to say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. This is the foundation, dads, moms, that this promise is built on. In order for there to be hope for our families... We need to make sure that there's a, a future. God promises that, but there is a foundation. What is it? Number one, he says, love the Lord with all thine heart. In other words, the foundation is a sincere love. A sincere love for God, a sincere love, moms and dads, for each other, and a sincere, unconditional love for our kids. We need to love our kids whether they're smart or not, whether they're athletic or not, whether they're uh, gifted in the arts or instruments or not, whether, they, uh, th whether they're a chip off the old block or not. Amen. We need to love and be proud of who they are, who God has made them to be. Amen. Amen. And that doesn't mean that we don't correct them where they're wrong, but what it means is they may not share the same interests or be whatever, but it doesn't matter. Son, I love you regardless. And we do share a lot of same interests and whatnot, but the, the fact of the matter is that's how it is. Uh, a sincere love, but a sincere love for God. If we don't love God, man, we're missing it. Amen. A sincere love, he says, with all your heart. For the family, it's, it's so incredible, it's true, it's profound. And that's how we need to love God with a true and sincere love. That means with all of our heart. I mean sincerely. Do you sincerely love God today? 
The Bible says that, uh, that we love him because he first loved us. Oh, my friend, listen, did you know that there's something interesting about kids? I mean, I'm talking about from kids on up to the teens. Don't they have an interesting radar on them? They can detect phonies. They can detect fakes, I believe, like no other, uh, no other age can. They can detect it. So parents, your kids know whether or not you really love God. It's not about loving God on Sundays at church. It is about that. But it's also about loving God at home around the supper table. It's about loving God in what you do in your work. It's about loving God in your recreational activities, as we'll see in just a moment. Love God. See, there's a lot of kids that are turned off when they see their parents profess God. There's a lot of people that are turned away from God because of the hypocrisy of their parents. Now, you're looking at an imperfect man today, but I hope it can be said of me, of my kids, that yes, he's imperfect, but he does love the Lord. He does his best, and he loves the Lord. And I know that can be said about my wife. I think about on the sincerity level. I think about Karl Marx. Karl Marx, you know, the, 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 the father uh, between he and Engels of Marxism, which led to communism, which has led to millions upon millions of people being killed and slaughtered. But Karl Marx, he was raised in a, as a younger person in a Jewish household. When his dad and when his family moved to Germany, however, uh, his dad came home one day and just said, we are converting to Lutheranism. And young Carl says, but dad, why? And what he learned and observed over the years is that he switched from Judaism to Lutheranism because of business. It was good business. It's a whole lot better business to be Lutheran in Germany than it was Jewish, even in those days. And as a result of that, that's one of the things that led to Karl Marx being uh, disenfranchised with God and with religion and as a result, I mean, of course, later on he famously said or infamously said that religion is the opiate of the masses. By the way, I'll not chase this rabbit trail, but I may say there's truth to that when it comes to religion. But true Bible Christianity, amen, that's a different story altogether. But listen, what's the foundation? There's a future. There's a promise for a future. There's a promised foundation. We've got to love God with all our hearts. But he says this, with all of our souls. That's a selfless love. Oh, my friend, listen, kids are looking for dads of integrity. And there's nothing in their life that, is, that, that, that there's nothing in our life that's marked off dads as private to God. Keep out, God. This is an area of my life that I'm keeping to myself. No, we need to be selfless and, say, and be an example of what it is to be surrendered and sold out for the Lord Jesus Christ selfless love. I think that's something that many dads have struggled with through the years is being selfish. I've worked hard. I've got, got to have something for me. I've got to have time for me. And listen, there's, there's truth to that. But man, you're a dad. You're a father. Amen. Love God with all your heart. Invest time into your kids. Demonstrate an unconditional, encouraging, disciplinary love for your kids. Be willing to discipline them. You say, well, I thought we were talking about being loving. I am. A loving father disciplines his kids. 
I mean, man, and, and, and I try my best. I mean, because the Bible says, with all thy getting, get understanding. And, uh, you know, I, I want my kids to have understanding about why they're being disciplined, why they're being corrected. But dads, we need to discipline them. We need to love them enough to say, I'm not letting you go that way. I want to steer you in the right way, in the good way, in the blessed way. So there's a foundation. There's also a formula for the family. Notice this, verses 6 through 9, and we'll be done. The Bible says, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. So we see the sincerity part again. And thou shalt teach them. I want you to mark these, underline these. I want, and thou shalt teach them, number one, diligently unto thy children. And thou shalt, circle this, talk of them. When thou sittest in thine house, and, circle this, walkest. When thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. You can mark those. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. I love hearing the babies in church, don't you? There is a, there's a formula prescribed, and I'm going to give it to you quickly here. One, one thing I would emphasize is this. I mentioned it earlier, but dads, it is our job. A father needs to provide stability, leadership, and strength in the family. Listen, dads, we don't need to be wimps. We need to be leaders. We need to make the decisions, amen. And uh, I mean, with, praise God, the, the, the person that God's given us uh, as an heir of life together as our wives or whatever. But I'm telling you, we need to be leaders and stand within our home. That's our job. We can't pay someone else to do our jobs. We can't hire other people, coaches, teachers, uh, daycares, whatever else. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with coaches and teachers and etc. But all in daycare, all I'm saying is we need to understand ultimately it is my responsibility. Okay, here we are in closing. How are we to teach? Number one, convincingly. Convincingly. He said, we've, as we've emphasized, verse 6 shall be in thine heart, be real. Listen, I mean, be real, be sincere, let, let it be known that you love. Hey, don't, don't, it, it's okay to admit to your kids that you've done wrong. I know this may be hard for some of you dads, but it's okay sometimes to say, you know what, I've messed up here. I made a mistake, and you know what, I'm, you know what I'll do sometimes? I will, ask, I will ask my kids for forgiveness when I've done wrong, when I've lost my temper, when I've done something I shouldn't have done. It's okay to be vulnerable to your kids. Be real, convincingly. But not only that, creatively. Creatively. What do you mean creatively? I like this. How are we to teach them? We think about teaching. Man, we put on our robes and, and we set the kids down and it's time for some long lecture. And that intimidates some of you because you're thinking, man, that ain't really my style. It's not God's style either. God says, here's how you teach them when you walk with them. When you sit with them. When you're laying down at night. When you're getting up in the morning. You know what he's saying? Be creative. Think about little ways as you go through the course of life to find a place to, to insert some knowledge there, to glorify God, to say, you know, to, to find something in creation, to look up at the stars at night and say, boy, kids, look at that. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. Dads, it'll take a little bit of work. 
We need to get maybe more educated in the Scripture, but commit to do it and just find little ways in life. Find little ways in the interest that you have, the interest that your kids have, and say, you know what, that's just like what the Bible says. Or, you know, it's interesting that God made this this way or made you with this particular interest. I think that's a special thing. Be creative. Be consistent. We just, sometimes, and I'm telling you, man, I've been guilty of this, especially with more uh, structured teaching we, if we're not careful, we can be inconsistent. But notice what the Bible says in Isaiah 28, verses 9 and 10. Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. Notice this. For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Look at this. Here a little, there a little. When we, when we try to impart some scriptural or spiritual knowledge to our kids, we don't have to load them down till the wheels on their wagon are wobbling. I mean, i got a habit of that. Give it all to you right now. Just here a little, there a little. Amen. I mean, here a little, there a little. I mean, line upon line, precept upon precept, consistently. Also, conversationally conversationally. Find, we can find hundreds of ways to apply the Word of God to life. Teaching the Scripture to our kids does not have to be dull and boring. It can be so interesting. You don't have to give them the Word of God like a bitter medicine they got to take. Like some of you, you know, your parents would make you take castor oil or something. You don't have to try to uh, make your kids choke down Scripture like it's something nasty that they're going to choke up. Man, let, let them know how awesome it is, how sweet it is, how powerful it is. Oh, my friend, listen. What, see, kids, we try to teach our kids, but did you know our kids learn as much from what's, to, what's caught as what's taught? What's caught as what's taught. Am I saying that with a southern accent where you don't understand what I'm saying? Caught and taught. Is that better? Um, caught and taught. All right? In other words, just the way you're living. Hey, you know, and praise God, this kind of stuff don't happen around here, I'm pretty sure. But it's a common thing, you know, it's a, it's a classic thing throughout the years that one of the, one of the items on the menu most every Sunday afternoon is roast preacher and stewed Sunday school teacher and bald musician, you know. Your kids are listening. They're catching a lot. Well, I didn't teach them that. You hear, you hear a bad word come out of your kid's mouth. I didn't teach them that. Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. I remember years ago when we used to have home phones and not, cell phones weren't really a thing. Uh, but I can remember years ago that my parents would say, uh, that the phone would ring, and they'd say, tell them I'm not here. Now, my kids would never say I taught my kid to lie, but they were teaching me to lie. So fine, I'm just like, why can't you just say they're not available or they don't want to talk right now? Why do you got to teach your kids to lie? Anyway, I'm saying that they, they, they learn as much by what's taught and what's called as what's taught conversationally. Be careful what you say. And then lastly, conspicuously. He says in verse number 8, this is strange to us, thou shalt bind them for a 
for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. They would literally put phylacteries is what they called. They'd literally have the thing that hung down, and it'd have Scripture rolled up right on their forehead, right on their hands. They'd go around with Scripture. So kids, that's going to be your, dad, God's, your dad's job today is to put Scripture on your forehead and on your hand, all right? Not really. But there's an illustration to us today. And what, there was something deeper, by the way, and that's sadly one of the things that the Jewish people miss. There's a deeper meaning. Putting it right here, what, do you, what can you imagine that symbolizes? What they're thinking, where their head's at, getting the Scripture in their head, on their hands, what they do. Amen. Influencing what they think, influencing what they do. The Bible says you need to put them for signposts on your house. You know what? Put some Scripture on the wall. Put some Bible verses up. I mean, uh, I know a talented girl that does Bible verses all the time. I probably could get some of these papers and you could just put them on your wall. I mean, there's, there, there's scriptural things you can do. There's mottos for your home. I mean, conspicuously. In other words, you're not hiding it. It's out there for everybody to see. This is how we live. This is how we think. This is what we do. You know, beware. You know, I mentioned, I mentioned this on Wednesday, too. I talked about the agendas and the music that is out there. I talked about agendas and uh, what's the other word I was looking for? Agendas and propaganda even, especially in movies and stuff that we watch. I'm not telling you what to watch, but I am telling you those can be teaching moments. Do you see what they're trying to do there? See how stupid that is? You see how inconsistent that is? You see how they're trying to sneak that in there and get you desensitized and get you used to this idea of accepting paganism or accept, accepting immorality? Whatever the case may be, as we all stand and as Miss Sonia comes, I ask you today, do you believe there's hope? I do. Amen. You say, preacher, I'd like to change the world. Well, let's just start in your home.